there it is, man. We, we're, we're together. I'm in your backyard. You're in my backyard. <laughs> just, we'll prove it. Look at this. Hey, guys. We just ate some tacos together. Yeah. Literally. And uh, and then had a chat with Logan Barone. Yeah. What a kid, man. Yeah. I say kid because we discovered a generation here. We, yeah. we I, I didn't want to talk generationally because I'm sure that that's not, I wouldn't want him to feel like, but I realized, yeah, I think I'm older than him. My daughter's older than him. <laughs> But, but what a gift this guy amazing, is. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing conversation. Uh, it's so fun to, to talk about union. I, I loved the end of the conversation when we, um, when I was asking what's burning in him and he got into, oh, we talked about flipping tables. Like what's the one thing, the yeah. one lie. And uh, he talked about separation and dualism. And uh, I love. Our love. union in Christ before yeah. the foundations of the world. Yeah. What does that actually mean? And we explored that in this podcast. Uh, he has a book called the mystery in you that we're going to recommend everybody run out and buy. Yeah. Um, what a amazing resource of wisdom this guy is. Yeah. And, uh, he's just, he's dialed into the same things that we're pressing into and pursuing, putting language around him. Yeah. Um, he's only been married five months. Yeah. We learned that at the end. Yeah. And uh, New Orleans boy, New Orleans, yep, New Orleans boy, and um, graduate of the same school that my alumni, your, Oral Roberts University. Yeah, of course he was a Golden Eagle. I was a Titan. You know they changed their mascot in between there. <laughs> oh, so. did they? Yeah, it's a long story. I'll tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should talked about it. We should. Uh, yeah, I loved this conversation and and loved uh, what he's running at putting language around it for the next generation too and he's a he's a burgeoning writer theologian and uh, so yeah this was good i'm i'm enjoying doing this with you and it was fun to to do it together today. we got to hang out today that was yeah, cool yeah excited honored to be on this journey with you guys uh love doing this podcast with this guy and and uh, doing the videos now so they can see us <laughs> and uh like share write a, a review on itunes that stuff helps us out and yeah and send us an email connect with us we uh we make so many good connections via email yeah. and hear of testimonies of people you know just resonating with what we're talking about on the podcast yeah. or disagreeing with it or right. asking new questions better questions yeah. uh we welcome it all yeah and this is a safe place to uh talk about things that you know might be difficult to talk about with your local church yeah so yeah yeah i love doing this with you man same love all you. right this is uh our conversation with logan barone enjoy you gotta have a label i so know right you gotta, you, you gotta We're the great. jason and i literally actually just came back from eating some tacos together which is not yeah. often yeah and i'm actually in jason's backyard doing this recording as you can see yeah um <laughs> I didn't have time to get back to my house, but um, we decided we're the repentance guys, but like repentance yeah, is the yeah. term metanoia that we want to change your mind about God. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the repentance guys but, doesn't sound so good. No, no, yeah, yeah. Or, or the, yeah. Uh, or the you got to clarify the, what you mean by yeah. repentance nowadays. Yeah. Not the fire and brimstone kind. <laughs> no groveling, please. No groveling. <laughs> The grace guys. We're the grace guys. The grace kind. I That's like exactly it. it. For those uh, that have just joined us, we we Derek is in my backyard. We just did tacos together. 
We literally and, uh, then we rethought God with tacos over lunch just now before yes. coming on with Logan here. That's right. <laughs> and we're glad to have you on, man. Glad to to have you on the, the call. As we were talking beforehand, we, we got mutual friends in Robin Smith. So that's really awesome. And um, we've seen uh, the book. Actually, I think Robin is the person that introduced it, uh, introduced it to, to me. Uh, the mystery in you, right? Yeah. And uh, so we're going to dive into that. I, I have a feeling that it's uh, going to be about things that uh, Derek and I are very fascinated by, union and intimacy and oneness. But, uh, bro, share a little bit about your, yourself. Uh, tell, us, tell us where you're from and then the nature of who God is uh, to you right now. Yeah. So I'm originally from Slidell, Louisiana, which is a town about 20, 25 minutes from New Orleans. And I was born and raised Catholic. Okay. So I went through Catholic school. I went through catechism. And by the age of seven, I was so passionate and interested about theology and the afterlife and just all these great existential philosophical questions that most kids aren't interested right. in. But for me, it was something that for as long as I can remember, I was interested in these subjects. And so, yeah, I, I wanted to be a priest by the time I was, you know, in the second or third grade, I thought I was going to go to seminary and become a priest Okay. And, and, uh, yeah. And so in the seventh grade, my family left the Catholic church, they left Catholicism and we started going to a non-denominational church, which was a big shift for me because this was, you know, a rock concert for worship right. and free coffee after service. Right. And a great, relatable, funny message that I enjoyed listening to as entertainment. And I think the biggest difference for me as a junior high kid who was passionate about God and theology and religion was that this new church, this new, this new idea of gathering on a Sunday was very focused on the Bible. And in my previous tradition, we didn't really read the Bible too much. And the ultimate authority was the papacy. And now I'm, I'm in this new church where the ultimate authority is the Bible. So up until then, like I said, I really didn't read the Bible too much, but I began to read the Bible a lot uh, in junior high. And I think I read the, the whole New Testament within the first month or so of us being at this church. And I started in the new because the old was, you know, too complicated and right. too weird from the beginning. And right. so I read the Gospels. I, I stayed in John for a while and I just developed this desire to to read the scriptures and to know them like the back of my hand. And then by freshman year of high school, I was leading two or three Bible studies and I'm serving at my church every weekend. 
and you're the poster boy. I'm the poster boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is something that, like I said, theology and just Jesus and, and the gospel has always been something that I've been very passionate about, but there was a big shift going into high school, going into junior high, uh, Protestantism from Catholicism, uh, really two different worlds in many ways. And so long story short, by the time I'm a junior in high school, I have this desire to go into full-time vocational ministry and to become a pastor. Right. So after I graduate high school, I took a year off and I said, you know what, I'm just going to pray and I'm going to allow God to show me the way where I need to go to school. Is it Bible college? Was, was, um, all on this journey, just curious, were you having experiences, uh, with, with a personal Jesus or were you more fascinated by the, 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 the theology and the, the Greek and the Hebrew. I'm just curious uh, if you had an encounters with God, what, what was the driving passion for you? Was, was there something that was being uh, met inside of you? Well, when I was a young Catholic, I was very fascinated with the saints and the mystics because these people had real experiences and encounters with God. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, I, I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't reading the Bible back then, right. but I was looking up to these, these people who knew God intimately yeah. and I wanted that. Yeah. So I didn't feel like I had that at the time, but that's what I wanted. And that's yeah. what drove me, you know, this, this intimacy, this union, this yeah. awareness of the presence of God in my life is what I wanted. And so that's what drove it. I got you now. Why was I so into theology and just religion and philosophy at a young age? I don't know. That was just something that I've I've always been right. uh, fascinated with. But yeah, and then that that kind of went away when we left Catholicism, and I was filled with head knowledge of the Bible. Right. And so throughout high school, I'm really not having any experiences. With God, I don't feel like I'm growing in relationship. It's just I'm learning the scriptures. I'm learning. And I went to a a Christian high school, by the way. So I went through Bible class and hermeneutics and all that. But, yeah, it was was all head knowledge. It wasn't experiential knowledge, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I take this year off out of high school. And at the time, the church I was a part of had a internship, a pastoral internship. And that's what I was leaning towards. And the cool thing about this pastoral internship was that they had partnered with Oral Roberts University. And ORU became a satellite campus at this church through the internship. Okay. So I said... I have this call. I have this desire to go into ministry. I want to be a pastor. This is what I'm going to do right out of high school. So I took that year to to pray and fast or whatever I was doing at the time. The only problem was somebody introduced me to a new wave 
a new message of Christianity that I was completely foreign to. Because as a Catholic and even as a evangelical throughout high school, I was learning the Bible, but I wasn't learning covenant. I wasn't learning what what grace really was. I couldn't tell you the difference between the law, the old way, and what Jesus came to present to us, which is new covenant consciousness. And so I was believing and i was teaching others this mixed message of law and grace right which i didn't even know but it was actually keeping me in bondage and raise your hand if, you, me... if you've ever done that yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> been there definitely <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah go ahead man so grace grace was my entryway into the deeper dimensions of the gospel what did you first read who was the first uh uh, yeah how'd you rethink that that? what caused the rethinking in that area i think somebody introduced me to andrew farley okay or maybe it was joseph prince yeah and so that was that was the beginning i read some of their books and it was great it was liberating and like I said, it was it was new revelation. Yeah, that was Brennan. That Brennan was Manning did that for me. Brennan Manning, Ragamuffin Gospel. That was like a huge okay. shift uh, where I yeah. was doing law, trying to figure out grace, and then he came and messed the, flipped the whole ship for me. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You need those along the way. All right, I'm listening. That's part of the journey. It's yeah. part of everybody's journey. Yeah. you know. So. Yeah. So yeah, I'm getting into grace and at the time I'm going back and forth because now I don't know if I want to go into the pastoral internship and I didn't know if I was going to even go to ORU anymore. Right. But I said, you know what, this is something that I prayed about. I feel like this is what God is wanting me to do. I don't know why, but I feel like this is where I'm called to be. And so I committed to it, but then probably six months before my first day at ORU, somebody introduced me to a guy by the name of John Crowder. <laughs> okay. Yeah. John Crowder was a grace guy, right? Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's what drew me in at first, but then yeah. he starts talking about all these things like union and yeah. mystical encounters and experiencing God in everyone and Christology and Trinitarianism, which I mean, the Trinity is such a pillar of my theology now. And it, it was when I was Catholic, but through my years of evangelicalism, it was really lost. I gave lip service to the Trinity, but it, that was it. There was no, in-depth understanding of why that is such a important aspect of orthodox christianity right. and the tradition yeah so yeah john had a big uh part in my journey of taking that next step and swimming out into the deep end yeah so, i like it yeah yeah our uh logan and then our- from there our journeys are yeah. pretty similar. I want to. I want to 
just touch on a few things that you've already mentioned before you, you move on. But, uh, you know, you, 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 you took a little different journey by going from, you know, Bishop to Bible, <laughs> as far as from Catholicism <laughs> to, uh, you know, yeah. a context of evangelical, you know, non-denominational, um, being so entrenched in the Bible really for me made things more about learning head knowledge and definitions. And that's why, uh, grace for me was just a definition. It was God's unmerited favor. And then we move on to something else, right? right. Teach faith, right. teach how to, you know, prosper. But, um, it was, it was Joseph Prince. That was a gateway, the gateway drug for me. I read yeah. destined to rain and it, it, it opened my eyes to this grace that was a person and not a concept. And, uh, and I'm also, uh, an ORU grad, by the way, I, uh, I graduated back in 1991. Yeah. I was a rotten heathen <laughs> back then, though. I was on there on a soccer scholarship, and I think the Tulsa <laughs> police are still laughing. looking for me. <laughs> but um, I just I want people to recognize something, and I think it's important that I it it's I value my time in the Bible like that. I value the emphasis yeah. in the Bible like that. But now, having been pulled back, having the veil pulled back, as you terminology that you use in Christ, Christ in you, the Christ in you concepts, um, the mystery in you. Um, I just want to know that people, I, nothing is wasted. I don't think anything is wasted, but we, we tend to get stuck in different areas and, uh, and don't want to move on. What, what caused you to want to explore further and deeper? Obviously John Crowder was probably a big catalyst to, you know, um, break away from some traditional thinking where the Bible's concerned. What, what was that catalyst for you? Yeah. Well, I've always been a deep thinker and I've always been one to question everything. And from a young age, my, really it was my dad. He taught me to study things out on my own, to do my homework and to not just believe anything that, someone is telling you to believe. And I think I had reached a point in my evangelical journey where deep within, I guess it was my subconscious mind, I was beginning to have different feelings towards some of the things I was being taught. And I had reached a point where I was starting to burn out a little bit and I was really starting to reject these things, but I couldn't tell anyone. I had to keep it to myself. And so just hearing something different, hearing a gospel message that was actually good news and liberating and life-giving was what sparked the fire. And then from there, I kept feeding that fire by reading the books and you know from from john it went from other teachers like francois dutois and uh baxter kruger and brad jersack and so i really just opened myself up to this brand new world of christocentric happy gospel full of grace full of truth full of union full of inclusion and once the can of worms was open, that was it. 
you know, there was, there was no going back. There was no going back. I mean, once you taste the new wine, yeah, you're in paradise. Quick question for you on that. That when you say that you, you couldn't ask questions, was that literally something that you experienced that you tried to ask questions and couldn't, or you just didn't feel it was a safe environment to ask those questions? I didn't feel it was a safe environment to ask those questions. And a lot of that had to do with, I guess, the, the system, the church that I was a part of, that I was, that I was under at the time. And I mean, it went without saying there are certain things that you don't question. There are certain things that you don't share that you don't bring up because this is what we believe. You know what we believe and you're not going to change our mind. And I grew up in a culture, in a faith community that believed anything outside of that community, anything outside that group was demonic. Yeah. Okay. I it hear was, you. yeah. And so I just, I stayed the path. I didn't bring those things up. And so going into my freshman year at ORU and interning at this church, I really just kept these things in secret. I was always studying. I was always trying to expand com- my knowledge. Were you having conversations with other uh, uh, classmates, uh, students? No, no, nobody. Were you traveling really, was- were you, or it was just online, just you and Jesus? Yeah, it was just the the uh, it was it was online, I guess. And sure, reading. I, I actually i had I had one friend who wasn't a part of the church, wasn't a part of the school, and he was the one that introduced me to Joseph Prince and gotcha. and Andrew Farley. And so he he's kind of been on the journey with me this yeah, whole yeah. time. That's good. And so I always had him to lean on as a as a brother, but. No, besides that, it was a very lonely road for a while. And yeah, so I, I, the whole time I was at ORU, I was going back home, reading my mirror Bible. Oh man, I can't believe you're reading that. (laughs) Yeah, I know, heresy. It was complete heresy, Uh, but it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I tried not to show it in my papers at ORU, which was hard. A lot yeah, of would, times I not would, to show that, but I, where where so you're at now? Because um, I'm 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 curious because there's a you know probably I'd like to say there's only 20 years between us, but I'm old older than I look. It might be it might be a little bit uh, bigger span than I don't know, but I'm remembering my I went to Bible college and. Um, uh, you know, the best way I can describe those years, I met my wife there. So it, it, you just, it was a, a complete success uh, as far as that goes. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, the best way I can describe it is that what, by the time I left Bible college, I, I knew that I couldn't make that suit fit. That whatever it was that they were doing, it wasn't it didn't fit on me. And I always felt called to be a part of the church. In fact, I, uh, you know, like you, thought I'd be a pastor. Um, my dad had pastored, and I thought that would be the way that I'd go. But by the time Bible college finished, I knew I didn't fit. 
I didn't have uh, Francois, and it was years before I would read uh, Brennan Manning. Um, but uh, I was a grace guy even then because I was an experiential encounter guy. And um, But I found that um, even then I had to be careful. We were, we were doing music, right? So I was, we were playing shows at clubs. And the short story is I was also still very involved with the church leading worship uh, for the youth. And I remember when I sat with the, the leadership um, of, of the, the, the pastor over the youth, uh, and, I, and I told him, hey, we've got this band and we're playing these clubs. Um, and I was trying to describe what I now would say was grace. We were experiencing the manifest presence of God in a room, and people were coming into a, a, an encounter with God in these, in these rooms, these bars that we were playing. But it was way outside the comfort zone uh, of the leadership that we were even in the bars, if that makes sense. And so I remember telling yeah. him, we need a covering. And, <clears throat> and literally the short version of the story is he told me I needed to find a new church. And the next week I was no longer the worship pastor. And, wow. um, and so, uh, I had to navigate that kind of dynamic with the church for 25, 30 years. Um, I'm curious what the last few years have been like for you with your family, uh, as you're writing this book, as you're leaning in, as you're getting language around this union. Uh, and, I've, and the reason I asked about encounters and experiences, because for me, what marked my journey, the things that and Derek and I were talking about this earlier today, the things that have marked my journey as the encounters with his love. Um, it is the thing that um, uh, Derek, I, I'm going to I'm going to say it before you get a chance to say it, but it's Derek's words that he's um, dogmatic about the nature of the love of God. But because he's dogmatic about the nature of the love of God, he's not necessarily going to be dogmatic with you if you're in the room. Did yeah. I get that right, Derek? Yeah. I mean, it's and, what came out at lunch me, today what? over some delicious tacos um, was yes. that I, I the views that I hold now about the goodness and kindness of God, the inclusion uh, are extremely dogmatic. I, I don't know that you can shake me much on them, but I cannot be dogmatic with you about them because love constrains me. Love yeah. allows for this space to say, hey, you know what? I could be wrong. You might be wrong. I actually think you are. But uh, love <laughs> wants to create a space where where dogma would uh, would put up a veil, put up a you know, a block with that, that person and, and yeah. love's the only thing that, that can break through. So it's kind of like a, it's literally, literally yeah. like a catch yeah. too is the way it hit me today. It was, I'm very dogmatic about the love of God. Um, but I can't be dogmatic in my relationships. Yes. Does that make sense? Right. And I, I would love yeah. to know. Yeah. Because absolutely me, that my journey of encountering his love is why I'm here today. Uh, his goodness is why I'm here today, and so. Uh, but I've I've had to navigate uh, all kinds of of uh, as you say, it was coming out in your papers. Yeah, I've got 30 years of it coming out in my papers. Um, yeah, and so I'd be curious um, how you nav have navigated to where you are today, where you're writing. Are you in community, and and the 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 way that God has led you. Um, uh, what, what's he showing you right now? Because uh, where are you? You're on the other side of college now, and you got your first book. Yeah, so I graduated last year. Okay, from where are you? 2022. Yeah. So you yeah. tricked them. You fooled them. You made it. Well, guess what? My senior paper was on. 
<laughs> Let's hear about it. I got to hear this story. <laughs> I'm not the being, restoration I'm being with you. I, I, you didn't trick yeah, them, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? No, I know. Yeah, yeah. So the restoration of the prayer tower? Is it on the restoration of the prayer tower? That's an inside joke. On, uh, the apocatastasis, the restoration of all things. Come on. Yeah, so that was in... Uh, I think some feathers may have been ruffled, but I got a name on the paper. So hey. <laughs> that's how I went out. But um, no, I think throughout my journey at ORU, there were so many things boiling up within me. There were so many just issues I had with certain doctrines of the the Western Evangelical Church. And like I said, I couldn't tell many people. And I couldn't share with anyone this new experience I was having with this new covenant grace gospel. And so I just began to write it down. Yeah. And I began to write a lot of poetry and a lot of just notes uh, throughout school and kept them, collected them. And then by senior year, I realized that I had enough material in these notes to formulate a book. So well that's kind of how that's kind of how the book came to be through my experiences and through my journey of just keeping these things journaling um and then I yeah I just felt like I I had to get it out there was no more holding it in and I think after my senior paper which is about 40 pages it was a pretty long paper um I felt this this passion to, to to write to write more. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, and which growing up I, I had no passion to write. I wasn't a big reader besides reading the Bible. You know, I, right. I, I didn't. I, I never imagined I'd write a book. So I worked. I was on staff at a church uh, my senior year. And I was kind of in route to become a, a pastor in, in the youth ministry. But with everything else that was going on within me and the things I was writing about, I knew that I had a choice. I could either give all that up and burn all my writings and just become a, a pastor at this church and keep my mouth shut and, and just go with what they believe, or I could begin to express what I believe and publish this book and start sharing it with people, which would cost me probably my, my job at the church. But luckily I got a new job before all that happened. So before the book was published, before I began to express and um share the things that were going on i i got a new job outside the church so once i got that job that was my that was my way to start to slowly share some things on facebook and on some other social media platforms and uh and and six months later i had a i had a book uh written so what so. if if yeah, let's gonna, dive into the book. Uh, uh, I um, yeah. when I I read the title, "The Mystery in You: Discovering God in the Deepest Part of Your Being," uh, it it just it just the title alone resonated so deeply with me 
in what caused and was really the catalyst for my deconstruction, disorientation uh, that led to a lot of big, big questions. And it really centered around a question that I sensed the Lord asked me, uh, and that was, how can what happened in Adam be universal, but what happened in Christ be limited? Um, and, and from there, I began to explore the meaning of the mystery that Paul talks about of Christ in you, the hope of glory. I, I recognized that Paul himself said it pleased the Lord to reveal Christ in me when he's recounting his Damascus, Damascus experience. And, I, you know, this thought bubbles up in me is like, why we have no problem believing in the universe, universality of sin in mankind and depravity and those kind of things. And yet we limit the work of the cross. And, and I think there's one translation it might be the passion. It might be the mirror where it talks about the mystery of Christ embedded in you, the hope of glory. And I, th I thought, man, could it be that Christ has been embedded in humanity in such a way that our goal no longer becomes defining who's an insider or an outsider? Our goal becomes awakening unto this reality that already exists. Um, that, in a nutshell, is my experience I want to hear where you, how you got there and what this book is going to lead people to. Yeah. So I think for starters, the biggest question we have to ask ourselves is did Christ accomplish a potentiality or did Christ accomplish a reality? And so for me growing up, it was a potentiality. It was dependent on my decision, my faith, my repentance. And if I did something, then whatever Christ accomplished became my reality, but it was dependent on me. I had to do something. Right. I had to create something. I had to be regenerated. And in Romans 5, what's, what's beautiful about that passage, it's 12 through 18 is that Paul is presenting us with a parallel, Adam and Christ. And for Paul, Adam and Christ both represent the human race. And so that's a, that's a great point. That's a great quote that you have right there. And I think for many people, at least for me growing up in evangelicalism, we would take... Romans five seventeen, I think that's what it is, which says um, that for those receiving the abundant gift or something like that. So then we right. would take that one particular verse and we'd say, well, see, there, there you go. What Christ accomplished only comes by us receiving it. And in the Greek, that word is lambano, which is passive. It's not active. It's something that happens to you. It's not something that you do or that you create or that you generate. It's something that happens to you. And so once we get that down, then we can read the rest of the passage with context. And the context of that passage is that through Adam, sin and condemnation and death fell upon all men 
but through Christ, life and justification fell upon all people, all, all, all humanity. And that's, that's the beautiful truth. It's not anything that, that we did. It wasn't our prayer. It wasn't our repentance. It's what, it wasn't our faith. It was a reality that was created. And, and, you know, for me, uh, I think it was Baxter Kruger who talks about it. Um, Christ wasn't the plan B of God. He wasn't the fix of Adam. Yeah. We were in Christ before the foundation of the world. So Christ is before Adam and after Adam. He's the greater truth. Yeah. And, and so once you get that, then the whole gospel message of inclusion just starts to fall into place because if we were all included in Adam and we were all affected by Adam without our choice, then why isn't it the same for Christ? Why is, why is that something different now that we have to do? Or why is that somehow now dependent on us? That's a good question to ask Uh, Derek. I don't want to step on the, you got to share, you got to say the line because this is where, (laughs) how can what happened in Adam be universal, but what happened in Christ be limited. And, uh, the beauty of this gospel is that, uh, you know, God became one of us to rescue all of us. It's to me, the incarnation, the humanity, um, aspect has been something I've been really obsessed with. And Jason and I were talking about, about it over lunch today. And I agree with you on that scripture in Romans a hundred percent that it is a passive thing, but it's so hard for people to get over that. Um, I have to do something. I have to say something in reality. Uh, your are the veil has to be taken away. Your eyes have to be open to a present reality. Um, and you know, it's just it's just makes the gospel better than we could have possibly thought and that's what jason and i have been been chasing you know since we have been doing this podcast together and and individually in different ways for years right um yeah but it 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 actually activates a love for people in a way that i don't think you can get in you can't get any other way that you can't just try to love people more or whatever it, it, because what happened, what ends up happening. And this is the, this is the error of evangelical culture. There's a lot of errors, but you know, thank you. Thank you guys for the emphasis on the Bible, but the emphasis on getting people saved over loving people well has turned it into a multi-level marketing scheme that, well, if it it doesn't take and it doesn't work, then I'm sorry, you're not in this club. You know, you're an outsider. Instead of seeing people as insiders and outsiders, you simply now see people as either awake or asleep. It's the ultimate wokeness (laughs) to find Christ in you, (laughs) the hope of glory. Um, And I I suspect this is a big part of what people are going to take away from your book, Logan. Yeah. 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 The, the, uh, the idea that, uh, what happened in Adam is somehow is bigger than what happened in Christ. I mean, uh, I remember the first time that I, that was presented to me, I, I thought, I thought, uh, that's the, how, uh, how is it possible? I've lived most of my life, um, convinced that Adam had some, had some greater say 
in my connection to God than Jesus did. I mean, that's that was the the, the nature of the gospel I was raised on, uh, the i the ideology of separation, and and yet it was never ever the reality of my experience with Him. Uh, and so I keep coming back to that because I I'm 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 fascinated by uh, your journey, man. I mean, you know the the exciting thing for me is to be having conversation with you in which, uh, you know, you're, you're coming out of college in the context of union. Um, and I'm, cause I'm convinced that this is the good news that the church is awakening to right now. And, and I'm, I'm passionate about gen the generations. Uh, and I think at this point, probably there is a generation between us, you know, at this where I, where I'm, where I'm hearing you talk about union and, and, and this awakening to who he is and it encourages me um, because I'm, I'm convinced that this is, this is the good news that uh, the, the whole world is waiting for. And um, I, I'll say this, I'm curious, uh, you know, Derek's a pastor. And so a lot of our conversations are around uh, the, the, the church, the local church, the local expression. And, and what does that look like? Uh, and, and even though what we're running at doesn't necessarily have a, there's not a lot of room in certain places. I'm curious if you've been able to find a home church or a, a community places where you get to practice, uh, doing community and, and, um, and chasing down the goodness of God together. What's yeah, life you know, that's like been for the, you right now, basically? What, what are you doing right now? That's been the biggest challenge in this season. Me and my wife have been out of church for a little over a year now, and we have not been able to find a community around here yet. We do have some friends in in the area who are on the journey with us, and we meet from time to time and we've even talked about uh starting a, a house church or or some type of small gathering on a weeknight or something which uh, we plan to to get that going maybe sometime this summer but yeah this year has been um quite different for me because i was in church every sunday from as long as i can remember but once i left the church that I was previously a part of and begin this journey of writing, I, I have not been a part of the community. Guys, my book is out, Leaving and Finding Jesus. If you've already read it, I would be so grateful if you would go to Amazon and write a review. This actually helps the rankings. It also helps people trust the book before they buy it. Uh, thankful for you for that. And also so thankful for all the support that's come in over the last little bit. We're just we're just blown away, blessed by folks' generosity. You know, a family story is a nonprofit. This is a listener-supported podcast, and uh, we're just so grateful to be on the journey with you, guys. I'm so thankful for you. Praying life, joy, and wonder over you today. All right, let's get back to the podcast. And, um, that, that desire to, to pastor um, that you had at such a young age, is that still in you? I don't think so. Uh, or I'll say it like this. The, the 
idea of a pastor that I used to have is now quite different. And okay. so I can see me leading people. I can see me shepherding a community of believers, but I, I don't see me um, necessarily starting a church or anything anytime soon. God may have something different for me down the road, but right now I, I don't, I don't feel that right now at all. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm drawn to, to teaching. I'm drawn to writing obviously and doing that right now in this season, but you never know. You never know what's down the road. Yeah. Logan, I, I, I think, feel- I do think, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I I do think a big part of me and my wife's journey is going to be at some point us moving away and traveling because we both, we've lived here our whole lives and we're both passionate about traveling and exploring the the world. And so if some opportunities open up down the road, we're going to, we're going to take them. And that's cool. It seems like that's the, that's the biblical uh, pattern. When God calls someone, it's always go, you know, going to some new land. And, uh, you know, so well, we'll we know see. a little bit about that. Derek and I. Hey, well, yeah, we do. And um, let's let me just invite you formally to Charlotte, North Carolina, to hang out with me and yeah. Jason and our spouses. Yeah. Uh, we would love to uh, welcome you here, feed you well and um, <laughs> and talk, <laughs> talk about the goodness of God. I, wa- I want to say something that's kind of hot off the press for me like literally in the last few days, yes, I pastor a church. Uh, We meet in the tradition of Sunday at 10 a.m. And in some sense, we follow the pattern of, you know, a concert and a TED talk. Um, But I've been attempting to incorporate more questions, more face-to-face time. We've been gathering around tables often to wrestle with, scripture and concepts. And I've obviously, I mean, I've been doing this podcast for a long time with Jason coexisting with pastoring a church and a lot of what's is leaking out in the pulpit. Um, you know, cause I'm not a really shock person. One of the things I recognized early on was God was so patient with me. My wife was so patient with me in my, my deconstruction, my disorientation. I mean, she thought I was a heretic and I'm pastoring a church. And so, um, but that really helped me recognize that I need to be patient with people. I need to bring them along in a loving and kind way into some of the newness and freshness of this revelation. So I had this thought when Paul was told to go to Simon the Tanner on Straight Street, so specific, it's just amazing. And it was there that his eyes would be opened, I think, both physically and, you know, metaphorically. And I, I just had this thought about yeah. what if we had these, you know, Simon the Tanner houses all over the country and we could send people there. We could say, hey, you know what? Go see Logan. Logan's totally a, a Tanner. He's a Simon and he's going to help open your eyes and drop the scales um, in this area and then just kind of see what manifests from there. Does a gathering begin to happen or whatever? But to me, it's this it's this broader network of people where, hey, I can send you to that person. I can send you to that person. Go listen to this podcast. Um, I'm rethinking church, a traditional church, in big, big ways. And, of course, I'm continuing on the path that we've been on. We have a beautiful community here 
no questions are off limits. Uh, but at the same time, I sense that there's a shift happening and I'm really want, wanting to embrace whatever it is. Uh, but it's going to come through, I think, a lot of different voices, um, Logan. And don't give yeah. up on that uh, yeah. that pastoral yeah. call. I, I really sense a, a shepherd's heart in you, which which really isn't that yeah, the, the way that you Shouldn't that be the case? Yeah. I remember someone yeah. talking about the ministry gifts and they're like, well, you know, the prof- prophet's kind of mean and he can, he can be an angry, you know, because he's the prophet. And I'm like, wait a second. If you don't do what you do with the heart of a good shepherd, then are you even on team Jesus? What are we talking about? So yeah, I don't know. I'm right. now I'm just ranting. Yeah. I, um, yeah. No, I love, I love that the, I, I love the the gentle gentle way that you've journeyed, because um, I I uh, when I say I left Bible college and the and the clothes didn't fit, I went on to to write songs about it. <laughs> I was I wasn't necessarily gentle, um, and I learned um, that I'm not here to defend God. I'm here to reveal Him. Those were those were things I yeah. learned early on. And, and, uh, I feel that on you. I feel that in what you're writing, um, the fact that you were, that you were, it was leaking out in your papers, but, um, I, I have this, this take and I, I've got a question for you, but I, I appreciate this. You know, I, I'm passionate about this idea that, that, that Jesus flipped tables and the tables needed to be flipped but he did it in the spirit of, of greater love that would lay his life down for the person on the other side of the table. And that in that place, he had the authority. That was actually what gave him authority to flip tables in the first place. And so a lot of what I, I'm a writer myself. And, and so I can speak to the writer and you, and, and I'm kind of curious about what you're, you're working on now because you were always writing something but I would say yeah. that uh, if there's anything that um, I have I've grown in over the years is that this grace message allows for you to walk in the authority where you can flip tables uh, as revealing God, not defending him, flipping tables, but knowing that you're laying your life down for the person on the other side of the table. And I felt that from you. And I feel like that's probably some of the journey you're on. You're, you're talking a bit like a teacher, especially if you're a writer. I'd be curious um, what you're what tables you're flipping right now. Cause I, I, I've always got a table I'm flipping something that I'm passionate about, you know, a lie about the nature of God cuts us off from intimacy. Like to me, that's what we're running at, right? What is a lie we believe about the nature of God that cuts us off from intimacy and what table needs to be flipped. And, and as a communicator, as a writer, which is what, what we are communicators, um, what's, what's the most gracious and, and, um, and gender, generous way by which to flip that table. I'd be curious uh, what tables you're flipping right now. What's burning in you? If we, you and I had coffee and you're like, I got to tell you about what's burning in me right now. What is that one thing? I think the biggest table that needs to be flipped and it is being flipped, but it's a, it's a really big table. So there's a lot of power and might that's required to flip it and uh, that's the the table of dualism and separation yeah and what you'll find what you'll find is that so many of these little doctrines and beliefs that we have about god and ourselves 
and each other that are just toxic and that are bringing us apart, not together, are all rooted in this illusion of separation. That's it. Amen. It stems to that. And so I I have a chapter in my book called Separation is a Scam. (laughs) And what I mean by that is whether it's intentional or unintentional, the the church has gotten to a place where it starts with separation. It starts with the problem. It starts with sin. And we're broken. We need to be fixed. We're separated from God. And either we need to do something to get God to come down from heaven. Yeah. Or our entire focus is about escaping this earth and being raptured one day so that we can go and be up with God, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it all it all stems around this dualism and this separation consciousness. And so when you start presenting this gospel message of union from the start, yep. when you start teaching people that they were in Christ before the foundation of the world and that that which is deepest within them is actually Christ. Colossians 3 says that Christ is your life. You know, <laughs> your life is hidden with Christ in God. Yeah. That's where we start. That's yeah. the eternal truth that transcends of it. anything else. And so For me, that was really the drive behind why I wrote this book. I wanted to liberate people from the fear and anxiety and just depression that comes with living from a place of separation. Yeah. And, you know, and so what tends to happen, what tends to happen is people get connected or they, they join a, 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 a system, they join a faith community, and once they are presented with the gospel, which is in, in, in their terms, the gospel is you're evil, you're wicked, you're sinful, and you need to jump through our religious hoops and repeat this prayer. If you want to get saved, if you want to get born again, right. then you'll right. be included, then you'll be accepted yeah. in God. Yeah. Everything Until about then, it is, there's this gap. Is, everything about it is we're separate, and how, what can we do to get him to us? Right, right, yeah. But the thing is, the thing about it is that in that system, you're never fully united with God, and so what determines whether or not you're walking with God or whether you're right with God is your performance. It's your attendance. It's your how much you're tithing, it's your, it's all on you, yep. right? And so, it's your, and belief, then as soon it's your you, proper as soon belief, as you start your correct to, belief as well. Yeah. 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 And then as soon as you start to backslide, you are falling away from grace. God is removing his hand from you. And the cycle just goes on and on and yeah. on. Yeah. And, and um, that's where people either, leave the faith or they just uh or they deconstruct you know, they're, they're, they deconstruct <laughs> yeah that's that's yeah. normally the beginning of that journey and that's right. so yeah um in in the mystery in you 
I start with Paul's revelation in Colossians 1, 26 through 27. Love it. Which is that, which is that there's been this mystery hidden for, for ages and generations, but it's now being revealed to God's people. And this mystery is that Christ is in you and he's not only in you, but he's in the Gentiles or in the Greek. Yeah the ethnos the nations and it's it's in the nations it's not just among the nations and so paul wrote nearly two-thirds of the new testament according to most scholars and it's interesting because when we read paul and we we go through his journey he has this radical experience with god yeah on the way to Damascus, right? And then 15 years later, he's writing about this experience. And in Galatians 1, I think it is, he he actually says to this church that God was pleased to reveal his son in me (laughs) so that I might preach Christ in the nations and the Gentiles. So I think for Paul, knowing his background as a Pharisee and as a Jew, you know, he was raised to believe that God chose him based upon his pedigree, based upon his Jewish lineage, based upon his outward performance and circumcision of the law. And so it was all about him. It was all about God chose me. I'm special. I'm superior than, than everyone else because of who I am and, and because of who my father is. And uh, when he had that experience, when he had that encounter, it was a radical shift where he had to do this complete 180 to come to the revelation that God's choosing has nothing to do with any of the things he thought it had to do with. God chose him and included him in Christ before time began. Yeah. And yeah. so that why that's why it was a revelation. It was a revealing, it was an unveiling yeah. of the son of Christ within him. And then once he got that revelation, once he got that message, then he was able to bring it to his tribe, his group, the people around him to tell them, hey, guess what? Christ is not just in me. Christ is also in you. And then he takes it a step further. It's not just for me. It's not just for my my church, my group, my tribe, but it's for the nations. It's for all people, all of humanity. <laughs> and that's the gospel. That's the that, that That's Paul's hope of glory. Yeah. And so uh, somewhere along the way in high school, I began to develop a, a passion for psychology and and a little bit of philosophy. And so there's this philosopher by, philosopher by the name of Ken Wilber, who spent a lot of time studying and writing on human psychological and spiritual development and the evolution of consciousness. And the model he lays out is egocentric, tribal-centric, world-centric, and then cosmic-centric. And 
I believe that Paul went through each one of these stages throughout his life, and I think we can we can see that throughout his letters. And ultimately, it's the journey that we all take at some point. And first and foremost, the revelation of Christ in you starts with a personal encounter, a personal experience, because you can't teach it. You can't right. preach it right. unless you experience it for yourself. Yeah. So that would be the egocentric. So it's about you in Christ, you and your relationship with God and this, this intimate oneness union that you have. That's where it starts, but it doesn't end there. And if you stay there, it can become very toxic and it can actually destroy you because you think that you and you alone had this mystical encounter, this mystical experience. God specifically chose you and no one else. And everyone else is less than because they didn't have this mystical revelation encounter experience that you were granted. Um, And so from egocentric, we go to tribal centric where we recognize, hey, it's not just for me, but it's also for my group, my community, my tribe, my church. And that's where Paul goes to the church. And he says that this message is for you. It's Christ in you. It's not just me. It's for you. And then from there, we go to world-centric, the nations. It's, it's seeing Christ, not just in your neighbor, but in every single person that you encounter and then the last and final stage the cosmic centric stage is when we see christ in all things which paul talks about that as well in him all things in heaven and in earth were created and in him all things are held together it's cool and so yeah that's the that's the movement that's the um the direction of this revelation and that's ultimately what what love is doing it's bringing us higher and higher and we're expanding and we're transcending and we're including um but you can't go from it's it's a journey you can't just go from me and my personal relationship with god and i'm special and to it's for everybody it's a it's a gradual revelation that happens over time and um it's it's only by God's grace and mercy that that we can see more and more and more of That's Him cool. in everyone and everything. As Derek, you were talking about the spiral for lunch. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, <clears throat> seen a, a pattern in my life, and I was actually listening to a podcast that was talking about this. But that you know, sometimes you feel like you're going around the circle, and you experience the same thing, and you deal with it again and again and again. But this author was talking about. He goes, really, it's a, it's a, it's a spiral. It's like an upward spiral. So you're not staying on one plane. You're moving up. Yeah. You may be experiencing the same frustration with, uh, whatever it is you're, you're pressing into or working through, but it's at a level that's higher of an, of understanding of consciousness. And he, he, the way he equated it was like, Hey, just pretend that you were the author of your life or Christ was the author of your life. And he wrote the book, you know, before the foundations of the earth. And you're just following the pattern of the book and you're, you're going to be okay. It's going to work out. It was a very, very high thought. But um, 
Logan, I really appreciate this um, concept that you're talking about. The way that I've been really relaying it to people is that this religious drive to get to God is absolutely obliterated when you recognize that our God got to us, that it was his drive, yeah. his nature of love to, to come to us and become one of us to rescue all of us. And it's in his humanity yeah. that yeah. we see the full revelation of the true God on the cross, the, you know, the self-giving co-suffering love. Um, and, uh, and in Jesus himself spoke about this union that you're talking about, this oneness in John, when he said, you know, Hey, on the day that you see me risen, you'll know that I am in the father, the father is in me and I will be in you. He, you know, I think Baxter Kruger is the one that said that's the undiluted gospel. Um, it, I call it the moonshine yeah. gospel because I'm from North Carolina, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. And <laughs> actually I own the, the domain moonshinegospel.com in case anyone's interested. There's nothing there yet, but just in case, <laughs> but yeah, Logan, I just idea. feel like you are tapping into some things in your generation. I don't know how old you are brother, but I'm 55 and I'm watching you. 23. I'm watching a 23 year old, and and thinking in my heart, this is awesome. This is amazing. Like, yeah, this generation is getting it. And not that we blaze some trail, but it's just like that it's time for it. Don't you think it's time for it? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And I remember yeah. the the tribal Amen. part that you're talking about when it's that tribalism part where, for instance, I experienced that when I read the Joseph Prince book and it just broke me out of something into what real grace was and that book got banned from the bookstore of the ministry that i was a part of they're like wait hey we're not gonna let people read that book anymore and it was discouraged <laughs> to read outside wow. of your tribe and um, yeah. i love the That's progression you know, book. i love the progression that you're talking about i really feel like it's such a true thing yeah and um I, this is going to help bring a lot of liberty to people but i'm really touched like emotionally right now listening to your words and understanding that you are walking in yeah. at such a young age. This is amazing. Yeah. It's wow. an expansive gospel too. I love, I love that journey because it is a journey. Um, and there's room yeah. all along the way. Uh, one of the things that we talk about here is he's, you know, that uh, he's better than I thought he was today. He's better than I thought he was yesterday. And um and tomorrow I'll be amazed by how good he is and how much better he is than I thought he was today. And, and I'm thinking yeah. that, that you can take that Paul journey. And to me, the good news is, Oh, we're one. And then you look up and you realize, Oh, he feels the same way about my family. Oh, and he feels the same way. It's expansive. This gospel, this good news that uh, we're all included and in the finish yeah. work of the cross. So man. Yeah. Yeah. I, Jason, uh, I just, one quick I, thing, I, yes, but amen. it's, it's found in that, that next verse that Logan mentioned in Romans five seventeen, Romans five eighteen. I mean, here's the new living. Yes. Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Everyone. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then what do you do with what do you do with First Corinthians fifteen twenty two? Mm-hmm. As in Adam, all die. As in Christ, all are made alive. Yeah, it's the same all. You can't say that. Yeah, I mean, there's no other way to interpret that. Yeah, I looked up the word all, and it means everyone, <laughs> even in the Greek. It's it even it's complicated. It's not or wait no, not a complicated at all. <laughs> well, and <laughs> I'll, I'll, hey, I'll take it a, a heretical step forward in the fact that I think Calvin might have been right, but his numbers were way off. <laughs> you were found in Christ. All were found in Christ before the foundations yeah. of the world. So yeah, uh, <laughs> stick that in your election pipe and smoke it. That's a lot. That's awesome. Uh, hey, if you're taking your wife out on a date. Uh, how long have you guys been married? Five months. Five months. Oh, dude, congratulations. congratulations. Yeah. What's, what, what's your name? Thank you. Ansley. Ansley. If you're taking yeah. your new bride out uh, on a date for tacos, uh, does she eat tacos? She does. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't sound like she'd be excited about them, but seeing that it's Rethinking God with tacos – uh, what, what, where would you take her? What's the taco you're going to eat? Well, you know, down here in South Louisiana, everything is seafood. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. when we're talking tacos, it might be redfish tacos. It may be crawfish tacos or crab tacos. I haven't uh, had a crab so, taco. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we would probably go to... Uh, someplace down the street and get some redfish tacos. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I like a redfish Everything taco. is seafood. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Are, yeah. You a sp- are you a spicy guy, Logan? You like the spice? Eh, depends. Not not a lot of spice, but a little kick is is okay. I'm, I'm pretty used to it because a lot of, lot of the things we eat down here are, are generally spicy. A lot of Cajun dishes and whatnot, but yeah, not 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 where I'm having to uh, chug water. Okay, so what I hear <laughs> you saying, is bite, you, I hear you, know. you saying that your theology is a lot spicier than your palate. We were at dinner at lunch, and he asked that for for the hot sauce. When he when you ask for them to bring out what they didn't bring out, and then he put it on on his tacos, and then he got complimented by uh, our waitress. <laughs> Uh, and, and for Derek, that was like that was like a, a moment of, of recognition, of celebration, to be recognized by our waitress. Wow. For, it's for my moment had of that. oneness and inclusion in that culture. And I'm like, thank you. I've earned, I earned my way. It's the only way you can earn your way in, I guess. Uh, in my mind if you haven't had to blow your nose at least once during the meal you're not doing it right it's supposed to be spicy but um hey logan this uh, has been amazing brother i'm telling you i am i'm really really pleased so much it's been you're bringing yeah yeah amen we we pray grace and blessing and and favor and opportunity over you and ansley uh ansley correct Ansley, yeah. Yes, over you guys. You got and, it. Hey, how do we find you? How do we find the book? How do we follow you? How do we be friends officially on Facebook? Yeah, so my website is loganbarone.com. And on my website, uh, there's a page for contact with uh, you can put your email in and um, the book is available right now on Amazon, paperback and Kindle. 
and probably sometime this summer I'll be coming out with an audio book. Awesome. But that is not available right now. Awesome. You'll read it yourself, right? Maybe, or I might hire somebody. All right. uh, All right. To read it, so we'll see. All right. Very cool. Wonderful, man. Yep. Um, yep. I'll, uh, we'll uh, let folks know where to find you, and it's really cool connecting with you. Yeah, thank you, yep. Logan. I had a great time. Thank really you. appreciate, appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Hey, guys. So glad you joined us on Rethinking God with Tacos. You can find me, Jason Clark, online at afamilystory.org, where I encourage you to sign up on our mailing list. We send out an email twice a month letting you know about new podcasts, articles, and new books or products that we have coming out. Plus, occasionally I'll keep you up on my schedule where I'm traveling. My Twitter handle is at Jason Clark is. I'm on Instagram under the same handle, and you can find me on Facebook as well. Yeah, and my name is Derek Turner. Jason and I love that you're listening to us. Thank you for all your feedback. Please write in, let us know what's going on in your life. But uh, we are pursuing a mission to help people rethink God. And we thank you for being a part of it. Uh, You can find me at Pastor Derek T on all the socials. And then, of course, I pastor a church here in Charlotte, North Carolina called River Church, rivercharlotte.com. Come and join us. We'd love to have you. Hey, all of these podcasts are available on all the platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google. Yeah. Hey, make sure and like, share, and throw a review out there. Let people know. We love good reviews on the podcast. It helps people find us. That's right. So if this isn't a podcast that you enjoy, (laughs) then please promote it, share it, give it a good five-star rating. I like that. That's a good idea. Hey, love doing this journey with you praying grace and wonder over you today.